This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss life after the dogheads, pre-international break, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Right, how are you gentlemen? I'm very well, other than being full of cold. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think Phil's the only one who's uh, not stuffed up. No more than usual. <laughs> He's just permanently stuffed up. <laughs> yeah. Have you finished refreshing uh, the Villa website for an Alkmaar ticket? Yeah, I gave it up 24 hours later. Yeah, <laughs> once my wrist snapped. Command R on my MacBook has just disappeared now. It was one of those where it's like 50-50 in terms of if you go, we go, if we don't, we don't. It, the Warsaw trip was a was a good one. This would have been more in and out just to see the game. Before we go on, NordVPN are supporting the My Old Man Said podcast by offering listeners a bumper deal where you can get an extra four months free on top of huge savings if you want to ensure the privacy of up to six devices while you are browsing and also change your virtual location. NordVPN allows users to watch sporting events, films and TV shows that aren't available in their region by switching their location to a country where they can watch it. Perfect for those untelevised English football 3pm kickoffs, or in Villa's case, those Sunday 2pm kickoffs. To grab our exclusive discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash moms. You'll also get four months off for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You'll find the link in the episode description notes. Thank you very much. The international breaks, the second one is always a good chance to take stock because it's basically the fifth of the season gone and we've had a, in between those two international breaks, we've had a... uh, intriguing passage of games there was a few definers in there like playing Brighton playing Chelsea and at the start of the Europa Conference League campaign so at the back end of the show we'll just have a little uh, take stock session we'll obviously get into that dog heads game as well as going through the latest full of news glad we, we've held off the show one day just to get the confirmation of the Villa Park being used uh, for the Euros I mean it was a formality we'll also catch up with the three points, which includes Shrek going to Birmingham. <laughs> Who saw that coming? It's a, it's a wild one, but we'll discuss that uh, and in donkey, the three points. Donkey's thing. going with him, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Well, there's plenty of donkeys waiting for him to uh, join the club, especially Tom Brady. Right, in the news, there's lots of bad things happening, so let's just stick with the Villa news. As mentioned, uh, Villa Park will be one of five Premier League stadiums to host the Euros. The thing is, the last Euros was hosted in England as well, the back end of it. So it's not as if it's like an exciting revelation, is it? It hardly feels like football's coming home. We kind of It was meant to come home before and we smashed up the area around Wembley, didn't they? Yeah, well, they bum-rushed the, uh, the stadium, so... Yeah. Uh, so the last Euros final was at Wembley, and the next one's going to be at Wembley. It's like, oh, well, okay, wow. The Turkish-Italian joint bid's just an odd one. Uh, I think they can't afford to host these finals nowadays, so they're doing these joint bid things. I think, I mean, as we've mentioned on the show before, it'd be great to have just it exclusively in Turkey. That would be a real proper experience and have the final in Turkey as well. Football mad country. But yeah, that, I mean, that final's probably going to go to it. Rome, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so. But anyway, uh, Villa Park is listed as 52,190. Which isn't right according to the plans. Yeah, I think that it's will move. But that's the, that's the figure they've given UEFA, obviously. So we'll see how that develops. As we said in a uh, an extra show that is going out to Mailman said members about the two meetings, uh, the fan advisory board meetings with the club. The first meeting, Chris Heck was saying, uh, yeah, we'll get cracking on the stadium this summer. And then in the second meeting, his lieutenant, Ben Hatton, said, yeah, it's going to be after the 24-25 season. So the North Stand will get one more season before they get cracking. What I think will be happening is that warehouse uh, facility will start to, uh, they'll be working on that, won't they? That's why they've gone with that plan, just so they can get cracking on something and obviously make revenue from it while they are building uh, the North Stand. I'm presuming there will be access to get to it uh, while the North Stand's being built. You would hope so, because I mean, the stand's going to come out relatively close to it in terms of like when it's finished the, yeah. the clearance between the two buildings isn't enormous right in other news injury news Ramsey in limbo really yeah we don't really know yet quite how bad no this little Rear flare of his metatarsal uh, there's no firm timeline on that obviously the international break helps so uh, I mean for both his injury and uh, Moreno the international break has certainly helped yeah, because Moreno still hasn't appeared, and we were hoping that would have been after the first international break. Well, it looked like he was going to, wasn't it? He was on yeah. the bench in Warsaw, and then didn't didn't feature again. But at least they are. But yeah, you want them back, especially for the business end of this uh, group stage of the Europa Conference League. Yeah, big time. This is what's uh, hamstrung us a little bit because you're not be, being able to go, especially you know left back situation where you can just swap in in and out Moreno and Luca Dean. That would make you stronger for the Conference League rather than trying to come up with crazy silly formations and, uh, and sticking them again at left back. Yeah, that was obviously for the. I'm being very reliant cup. on Dinia staying fit, which is his Villa history so far hasn't tended to to be. Yeah, no, exactly. Great. He's a bit of a ticking time bomb injury-wise. Kamara and Diaby were back for the Wolves game, which was good because uh, we were fingers crossed on those two that they wouldn't suddenly disappear for a few weeks as well. 
And in Rogue Burnham's back as well now, which is good. So they'll probably be able to add, start adding him potentially to match day squads if they think he's ready. Because he's been yeah, out of although that well. is a position we're pretty well stocked though, isn't it? Yeah, it depends if they, they, they see they can put him in for sort of European ones. But we, we never got a lot of depth in there in terms of backup guys who you'd probably play over him. Under-21s lost 4-2 at Charlton in the EFL Trophy. That game was over pretty swiftly, wasn't it? Yeah, well, they were four four down at half time, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ollie Watkins has signed a new five year deal. I think it was a good timing, really, for his hat trick and mm. uh, the goal against Chelsea because he was in negotiations and he hadn't scored this season. So, from his point of view, they obviously had stalled on a figure, and the club were like, "Yeah, really, you haven't scored this season in the league." No surprise that uh, the hat trick clinched it. Yeah. Well, it worked out as a good week for him, didn't it? In the end, he signed his new well, from hitting the fucking post against Wolves. <laughs> yeah, well, he got, got when well, he got his, you know, he got his hat trick, got got in the England squad, and then then it all went south. Yeah, well, it's good. It's good to get him signed up before he goes to get tapped up for England. So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, if that the, the last minute last kick of the game against Wolves went in, then you, then we would be like uh, doing handstands while we're uh, talking about Ollie Watkins' five year mm. deal, goal and an assist, having not had a kick really all game, it would have been a. Yeah. A real clinical game for him. In terms of internationals, regular guys. Watkins, England, uh, which probably not so regular recently. Uh, Tillemans, Belgium. Zaniola, Italy. Torres for Spain. And then your you usual candidates, Martinez, McGinn, Cash, all the way to. Meanwhile, Phil's favourite player, Barry Bannon, Mark II. Teddy Rowe scored a spectacular goal against Hull in the Premier League Cup. It's a good goal, mm-hmm. though. It was a good goal. It's good that he's still hanging around as well, because many others and that sort of like that game against Liverpool where he played well and have fallen by the wayside, so he's still hanging on. Villa women, uh, not exactly the start they were hoping. No. Uh, against Manchester United, uh, even though they went down to 10 men, they, they did take the lead. And then the inevitable Villa United... Uh, occurrence happened and United uh, won it late on and then they went to Liverpool who are on a bit of a resurgence because they did get relegated and then popped up again at Liverpool but uh, there was certainly chances to win that game yeah loads of chances Nobs Nobs missed one from the penalty spot with with only a defender in the line debate and there was there was more chances through the game it was Liverpool really only had a few chances in the game, but Liverpool were very organised. Well, they beat Arsenal 1-0 and they beat yeah. Villa 2-0, so they haven't conceded a goal yet. Yeah, so they lost, as you say, 2-0. And only Bristol are below them in the relegation spot now, so Villa need to uh, start getting their act together. Kenza Darley's still injured, and that's obviously a big, big miss. Uh, meanwhile, Johan Lang has left for Spurs. So now Munchie has totally taken over. Matthew Kidson is covering international recruitments and scouting. Mark Harrison remaining at Bodymore will be running the uh, UK scouting side. Yeah, it's just a bit of an academy reshuffle, isn't it? So it's nothing major, but I'm guessing Lang's original sort of director of football role has gradually been phased out and he's kind of just been like, well, there is no role for you. Yeah see you later sort of thing I mean the one thing I don't like about it is obviously taking somebody with a lot of intel on Aston Villa to one of our rivals uh, Mm. and and a direct rival in terms of wanting to break into the top four so that's not great and it obviously he's got an axe to grind as well 
Well, I always thought with sort of, I don't know how it works with his kind of role, but I always thought your quote-unquote C-suite type people, your commercial people, you'd put them on gardening leave. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's not starting until November, so he, he will be on like a like a month, won't he, really? That's fuck all, isn't it, really? Because he'll know what Villa's yeah. already thinking about for January and Exactly. Because you plan probably six to eight, if not more, months ahead, yeah. especially on the youth team stuff, you'll be scouting all the time. But yeah, this, I mean, this is a bit more eggs in the uh, the Spanish basket, to call it... Uh, Spanish omelette. <laughs> a name, yes, <laughs> yeah, in the Spanish omelette. <laughs> With the Munchie-Emery situation, I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, remember when Munchie came and there's some real naive hypesters saying, oh, this is great, this secures our future, because, you know, even when Emery leaves, you know, Munchie's going to be there, and it's like, no, nah, I doubt it. <laughs> Emery goes, the whole thing disappears. That's my only concern there is it's all the the Spanish omelette. They all turn it to eggs in uh, one basket. All your eggs in one basket. Can I just call it Paul Torres' um, Spanish paella that looked absolutely horrible when you put it on Instagram? <laughs> looked like it's nuclear bit. fallout. Did I have a squid ink <laughs> or it was burnt? Oh. Anyway, we shall see how that transpires. Uh, but uh, certainly if he's gone to Spurs, he's obviously well thought of still, Mr. Lang. Yeah. I mean, uh, now is not the time, but uh, there's hits and misses in the Lang uh, CV in terms of recruitment. You would say so. You would say so. I mean, the, 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 how they spent the Grealish money as one. Yeah. Right. Three points. FIFA. Uh, this is, I, I don't like this. I prefer one country for one tournament. But now they're making out that 2030 is to be played across three continents. Now, let's put a bit of context into this. FIFA have always been boasting about their sustainability strategy in the last three World Cups. So is it really uh, sustainable to have a tournament over three continents? Also, very suspicious. Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina have all wanting to host the World Cup. Then you've got Spain and Portugal, you may remember, were a joint bid. Now suddenly Morocco are in the mix as well. So the idea is it's almost very suspiciously like they're clearing all of these bids out of the way. So uh, 2034 will allow Saudi Arabia to have it uncontested. I wonder will there be a match at St. James's Park? Well, yeah, probably be included, won't it? St. James's Park and Saudi Arabia. But that's yeah. what's going on here, isn't it? Clearly. Well, aren't they, haven't they fast-tracked already? Because the Saudis have said, oh, we've only just uh, perked up our interest in hosting the tournament. You think, bollocks, have you? You've been working yeah. on this for ages, and they're fast-tracking them. They've changed the rules about stadiums. They, there has to be so many stadiums already available. So I think it used to be seven stadiums there had to be in, in the country that's hosting it, but in Saudi Arabia only have four, and now yeah. it's, you only need four now. And yet, you're right, Chris, it was like they have to give their notice of intention within a month. I bet they've already given a down payment, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> they've probably already started building the new stadiums. They know they've got it. You'd rather not just blag everyone. Just admit you're giving them it. All this smoke and mirrors. How random bollocks. is that? It is, uh, it's just a clear out of, let's put them all together and then uh, there's no competition to Saudi Arabia. That's what it is. It's what it, that's what it is 100%. Because, you know, they're preaching sustainability, all this kind of crap. And, you know, you always talk about, oh, it's an easy, great transport links for, you know, it's, it's part of the bid, isn't it? Great transport links for fans to get around and see the tournament. Well, here, if you want to follow, you got to go to Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina, Morocco, Spain, and Portugal. That's going to cost you fucking shitloads of money and it's going to burn up the air miles as well 
And what happens about all the sort of player welfare stuff? Yeah, we've got a quick, quick game in Buenos Aires, then we've got to fly to Riyadh for the next game. Good one. Well, obviously you'll be based in Argentina, Paraguay. Uh, your groups will be in South America or in Spain, Portugal and Morocco. I mean, also they're, they're all on near the equator, but there's still going to be differences, isn't there? In temperatures, it's not as if it's just one climate, one ecosystem. Well, they're, they're, they're big country that covers a large, you know, even just doing one in South America is covering a huge yeah. landmass. It's massive, but it doesn't make sense. It's like, oh, we want to share the World Cup around the world because it's a centenary. Yeah. It's like that's bullshit. It's just for the Saudis. It has you've put in here. I think it's film, wasn't it? Like makes a big joke about their sustainability strategy. And you know, old Infantino today. I feel like a climate change denier. Probably is uh, what he feels like at the moment. Right. Point number two. Wayne Rooney, Blues job. This one's. Uh, this is Blues trying to get in the big time. They're trying to get some bright lights out there, aren't they? First Tom Brady. Now it's like nobody knows John Eustace. And he's done all right, hasn't he? Well, he kept them up with their best points tally they've had in ages. Now they're sat sixth in the table, having just had a was it a four-one and a three-one win. They're punching well above their weight. So, what's the excuse they've given on him? Well, Gary Cook, who is the chief executive, said uh, the previous head coach was misaligned with the club's leadership team on a number of key points. Yeah, winning. Yeah. Well, yeah, they they <laughs> they want to keep their perpetual failure going, and he's he's been too successful, so they're going to get rid of him. And we can't have we can't have the fans liking the manager more than us. But re- read out what Wagner said. I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, Wagner said it's been has been very clear with the ownership's ambition for Birmingham City. It is to make the club a beacon for sporting excellence and to proudly be at the centre of Birmingham's community. I mean, the only way it's going to be a beacon is if it's, you can set fire to it. <laughs> <laughs> they say there is a plan, and every decision we take is with the club's best interests at heart. I've heard that yeah, before? Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure of. I'm sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about Rooney. I mean, I've seen clips of him at DC United on the training field, and I'm, I'm, I'm he doesn't feel like he's not Alexander the Great, inspirer, you know, of men, is he? But Gerard like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much. It, you know, Wagner's saying that it's like a name above ability, like like Tom Brady. He'll just inspire excellence just by being there. I'm like, yeah, professional football doesn't really work like that. Yeah, footballers don't give a shit. <laughs> Point number three. Goalkeeper shirts are uh, all in vogue now. They're all selling out as well. Uh, Olivier Giroud, who you may have seen uh, turn up in goal for AC Milan or the closing stages of of the game. In uh, was it a Europe European game? No, it was the final game, the league game. Was against Genoa. All ah, right, yeah, I saw the clip of him making a save at the end. How, how long did he play? Do you know? Was it in the last final few minutes? Yeah, it's like the last ten minutes, I think. Mm. Right. But no, he already had to dive out and make a save before gathering the ball. It was quite brave of him. He said after the game, I've never experienced that in my career and I'm proud of the whole team. We fought like lions. And he goes, talking about the final stop, I made a great save at the end. The stop felt almost like a goal. I said to myself, better to go out than stay in the, in the goal. I don't have automatisms of a goalkeeper, but I felt it that way. And then the Genoa striker massacred his arm, but it's okay. Yeah, AC Milan have registered uh, Giroud as a goalkeeper and produced a Giroud number no. 9 replica goalkeeper shirt, which has sold out very much like uh, England women's uh, international keeper Mary Earps, who's, as you'll remember, I think it was in three points as well, where it was, Nike yeah. 
didn't produce uh, an England shirt and obviously there was a protest and petitions about it and they finally released it and it sold out straight away. They never say how many they've released. They say it sold out straight away. It could be like 10 shirts. You don't, you don't know on these things. Giroud made, the, uh, Giroud made the Serie A team of the week as a goalie. Did he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. I'm thinking Villa might go and buy him in January. So, time for the Doghead Derby. So who was the main keeper, in your opinion, Saar or Martinez, in terms of influence in this result? would have to be Saar, wouldn't it? Because yeah. Martinez didn't have anything to do apart from picking out his net once. That was the segue. Hmm. Context of this game. This is one of those, we, we've actually got back-to-back niggly games where the casual fan will say, oh, Wolves away, yeah, we'll win that. Or West Ham at home, yeah, we'll win that. But the more uh, attentive Villa supporter, shall we say, will go... Yeah, Wolves away, well, we've lost five of the last six trips there. And West Ham at home, hardly uh, rich pickings in recent seasons. So both of these games, in there in the pot of defining results to uh, give you an indication of where we're going. Expected a tough game. We both, I think we were... uh, we were trying both to be optimistic. pretty cautious. Yeah, we were sort of cautious we'll, optimistic. Hopefully we'll win this time because we can't just keep getting beat all the time. So that was the uh, the context in terms of form. Obviously Wolves had just come off the back of beating Manchester City at home. So of course they were getting ready for Villa to, to turn up at the Molyneux. Carlos came in for Zaniola. So Emery switched to a principally to a three at the back or uh, six, I think, according to uh, Gary O'Neill. <laughs> Gary O'Neill had a few things to say. We'll, we'll get on to that later on. But pretty much the game played out as you expected in terms of quality. Horrible. Yep. <laughs> it was a right <laughs> shit watch, wasn't it? Do we really Dreadful have to talk half. about the first half, actually? I mean, we can, we can bash through the first half pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it consisted of Cash nearly scoring and John McGinn having it off with Craig Dawson. And then both ended up getting booked minutes later. <laughs> That's what you mean, having it off? <laughs> This is re- this is a love interest romantic relationship I didn't know about. It was all f- it was all physical, wasn't it? They were all over it each was. other in the penalty area. Every bloody corner thought well, one of them was going to get booked in a minute. In the end, the ref just let them crack on. I bet McGinn's shirt sweated up quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Dawson's did as well. So nothing really happening in the first half. Just just a, a frustrating. You know, Cash has a good chance, but I think it's a good save. But aside from that, it was kind of the the, the theme was the ref just being sort of very quick on the whistle and quick with his cards for certain things and then not getting on top of other things. It was just a really bitty game anyway and the ref didn't help things. So by sort of half time, you were glad to just get in and frankly for both teams to go back to the drawing board a little bit. Yeah, no switches from uh, Villa at half time, but Matt Doherty came on. Yes, for Al Nuri. Al Nuri had a collision with um, Matty Cash when he nearly knocked himself out. Yeah. And that was more injury time because the first half just seemed to go on forever. So Doherty came on, but that wasn't a tactical change. Yeah. But then at the start of the half, it it kind of exploded. Uh, Pep Guardiola's favourite Korean man got Villa. uh, (laughs) He chant put the dogheads ahead. And the first thing he thought was like, oh, here we go again. That was exactly the words I said in Match Club, I think. Yeah. You were just thinking they're going to just see this out for a 1-0 win like they did um, towards the back end of last season. That sort of feel about it. Do you put the, the blame at Louise's feet for this or...? I mean, he, partly, it's not all on Louise. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he gives it away. He's rather lax, to be honest, which you haven't really seen from him much recently. Normally, the ball sticks to him and he 
keeps the ball very well. But yeah, he, he gave it away in their half, and they they sort of got the ball got the ball out wide to Neto, who I thought every time he got one on one with Torres looked likely to uh, to run him ragged, and he did for the goal. Burns passed him, pulls it back through Dina's legs, and um, it's a good finish. To be fair, he flicks it past Martinez, and at that point you're thinking, oh for fuck's sake, yeah, here we go. Because uh, He Chen, aka the Korean guy is their top scorer. I mean, we highlighted yeah. him as uh, somebody who actually has... He's lively. He's done really well at Wolves and they needed people to obviously step up after some of their bigger names have uh, yeah. gave them the identity of their team, have moved on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But Villa's response from a set piece, uh, perfectly timed. Because as we said, you know, you just thought, here we go again, they could grind this one out. And best time to score is straight away to avoid that uh, eventuality. Yeah, yeah, they, no, were, still, they were still singing shit on the villa, and they had to stop yeah, saying it very that, quickly. Yeah, which is quite, it was quite. You funny. still hear it when it, the ball hits the net. <laughs> it's a good finish from Torres. Yeah, we had he had a little half chance in the first half, which was a tough one. Was that whole set piece orchestrated, or no. was it kind of changed in it? And it was like, yeah, uh, and it and it was improvised rather. Yeah, Louise has tried uh, to deliver it. It's headed, it's been headed out. Watkins has sort of hooked it back in, and Torres has reacted the best at the back post and has flicked yeah. it past the goalkeeper. It's a good finish. It's a striker's goal, but it's definitely not one off the training ground. Yeah, Watkins has just hit it back into an area. And at that point, a few minutes later, five, six, six seven minutes later, Zaniola comes on for a Diaby. Diaby had a difficult afternoon, actually. He barely had it. It was very much like Scott Hogan-esque level of touch count. He had a difficult afternoon. We wonder whether he was even 100% fit, but we just he couldn't yeah. get in any kind of space. Very ineffective, as Watkins was really for long, for most of the game. But as there well, was really. concern because shortly after that, Wolves brought on their hybrid Villa player. Yes. Uber Traore. <laughs> and he thought, oh shit, it's 11 versus 12 now. And they had a couple of good chances, Wolves. They did. They probably, they probably should have taken the lead again with one of them. Sort of fluffed their lines with both of them and then... Um, yeah, they were, they were talking about their, their second one was Neto broke through again and um, Kamara, a combination of Kamara and uh, Torres, I think, sort of like just muscled them out of the ball. So Wolves fans were, were howling for a penalty for that, but... I don't think there was enough in it. It was more shoulder to shoulder than the penalty incident we'll discuss shortly. Kamara also subbed off. Also, Cash was subbed off. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're trying to chase a game, I, I would probably keep Cash on. Tillemans came on, although you could argue that Villa went a bit more attacking by putting Bailey on for Cash. Yeah, yep. but you, you need to look at Cash's touch count as well because Cash only touched the ball 29 times in his whole time in the pitch in the 18 minutes. And then you Which compare that to the play out from the back is, is low. Yep. You compare that to Dean, he had 70 on the other side. Yeah, and this came out actually in the post-match. We were talking about Gary O'Neill, what he said. He was he actually said that they were concentrating on the left-hand side. Well, they were going after Villa's left, weren't they? They obviously had Neto up against Dean, Yuri, and um, they had, I think Villa had McGinn out there, didn't they? 
it was kind of obvious they were. They were every time they'd get the ball, Neto was always drifting left uh, out to our left. Yeah, because um, he fancied which is interesting because people normally come after us down the right. Yeah. And I, I think they would probably have had more success if they went down the right as well. I mean, it's the the highlighted Torres is somebody that's sort of short in pace, and that's why they went that way. But you'd think Dean being on that side sort of compensates because his positioning's a bit better than Matty Cash's. Yeah. And then as the game is, you know, as, as the game is looking well, like it's definitely going to be a draw. We go into what is was it twelve minutes of stoppage time, and all of a sudden Wolves find themselves down to ten men, and it's sort of right game on Villa. Let's let's go for broke here. Yeah, that well, that happened like three three minutes into injury time, didn't it? Yeah, but there yeah. was definitely enough of a window to uh, have a go at them, and we did. To be fair, it kind of sparked us into life. I think Villa felt that right now we've got the extra man, we can really try and have a go here. It almost like we didn't fancy overextending ourselves against eleven. This is sorry when uh, Lemina went off second. Lamina, Lamina. yeah, Lamina, yeah. Uh, Mario Lamina went off the for the second yellow card, which was stupid. Anyway, it was always he was always going to get sent off for that. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the game sparked into life in yeah. stoppage time, didn't it? And there's the incident where Watkins is clean through and Doherty pushes him in the back. Now, watching it, you think to yourself, that, that's never going to get given. But yeah. it seems to have sort of made a bit of a fuss in the media. They've got referees to comment on it and player, ex-players and things. I think it's just because it's such an obvious push. He's one hand right in the flat of his back and pushes Watkins just as he's swinging it and knocks him down. But you, you do see that quite a lot. It's, I think it has to be both hands before it's going to get given. Yeah, because the argument is, well, he's he's altered his balance, hasn't he? But yeah, but I mean, it's like uh, you could argue that if any players kind of you know go shoulder to shoulder, then then you've altered the balance. Yeah, I think I think you'd class that one as a bit of a shit housey one. It's one of those yeah. ones that if it gets given as a penalty, everyone goes, oh, "You're stupid twat! You're never going to get away with that." But if you get away with it, you go, "Ha! I did well there." Yeah, because you know and he knows Watkins getting the shot away. There, he's like the only chance I've got here is to give him a shove. And I think if Watkins has got proper balance, he goes across the goalkeeper because you see the way he almost sort of swings at thin air. He slices right across it, so he has lost his balance. It's interesting that all the ex pros they all think it's a stonewall penalty. Yeah. yeah. The more you, the more you see it, you kind of go, oh yeah, do you know what? It probably is. We all sort of think, yeah, it's a bit soft, but actually, and one of those ones, you know, if it goes against you, you're annoyed. But actually, it is kind of an obvious push. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at it and I thought, this is like something that would be like a classic Italian defender tactic, where you you do enough to put somebody off by yeah. literally fouling them, but it's that borderline that you get away with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but again, it's one of these ones that the dark if, arts. Yeah, if the referee had given it, VAR wouldn't have overturned it. That's that's this is no. the sort of like world you live in now. Yeah. And we still had, you know, we still had chance. You know, Zaniolo had a big chance at the back post. Um, Conza had a big chance, put it straight at the keeper, and and then of course last last well, literally the last touch of the game, Watkins great cross from Dean. You really bangs his header off the post. Should he have scored? He's done all he can. It's a great header. Should, should just, have, I think it's just. Should they have deducted a year off his five-year contract? <laughs> <laughs> That's more debatable. <laughs> I think they should maybe have deducted one off Conza because his was the better chance. His was it just came right out them and I think it was just teed up for him lovely in the edge of the box. And he had it straight at the keeper. It was like one of the very the many shots against Mostar. It was just straight at the keeper. Yeah, okay, wouldn't that be good if you you could put in small print that if you miss a glaring error. Like you cost us points, you lose a year off your contract. That would make them train so much harder. That's, that's double jeopardy, isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, but it would make them train harder. They wouldn't be so Louis Vuitton washbag and thinking that they're uh, 
the bee's knees. They would be on it, focused every week, every game. Or they'd, or they just want to sit on the bench, the bench every week and take their well, yeah. basic wage. And that's fine. Not take yeah, any that, risks. But there could be more small print for that uh, scenario. You know, it was it was unlucky. Although what I I think we all agreed in in match club that you know it was unlucky. And Emery sort of said, you know, it's a game we probably could, maybe should have win. I, I think on the balance of play over the ninety minutes, a draw was very much a fair result. And actually, both sides were probably fairly content with the point, especially with Villas in terms of the context yeah. of the last few weeks in the league and the the, you know, the ground we've covered and where we're at. You know, we're in a very good position considering you know, all things said with things like injuries and you know, the the new sort of rotation we're having to do and all the all these other factors that have really sort of been quite a not a distraction, but they've certainly been unsettling, I'd imagine, to the players. You know, they're sort of playing in Europe and playing Thursday, Sunday is a new challenge for them. And they had was it was it seven seven games in twenty two days, wasn't it as well, which is a big workload. Will they get paid for it? Key stat. <laughs> Well, we'd already mentioned the Albi only had 11 touches. You're in Scott Hogan territory. But the, the key stat is the, the one each draw took Unai Emery to 84 consecutive Premier League games without a nil-nil draw. Ooh. Mm. The record for interest is Alex Ferguson with 114 and Pochettino is in second with 87. So if it carries on, I guess, in three games' time, it'll be Emery trying to catch up with Ferguson, which does sort of go against what people say about him being you know, a, a defensive manager, a dull manager. Yeah. It's stats don't well west ham west ham at villa park's got nil nil written all over it (laughs) so if he gets past that one then he he could be on uh, for potch's uh, 87 for sure fancy premier league villa top man Paul torres with 10 points another defender that's uh not the uh he's not the first is he cash stormed in a couple of weeks ago yeah well, it's, it's only because of his goal. I mean, I think Diego Carlos in the game, we didn't mention he actually had a pretty good game. We're starting to actually see what kind it's of player steady, he is. very steady, wasn't he, to be fair? Mm-hmm. And, he, and his distribution's for, fantastic out from the back. Yeah, for his physical size, he's not one of these defenders that sort of goes in and like, smashes players out of the way. He does. He's a bit like Torres himself. He is one just to put the foot in and try and get the ball, sort of nick yeah. it away. But we'll see. Indeed, we will. Uh, by the way, thank you very much for everybody who uh, joined us. Them, and not me. I, I was unfortunately away. In Match Club for uh, the Wolves game. The next Match Club uh, live will be the Elkmar game, will it not? Which yes. comes thick and fast after the West Ham game. A good double header that week. Uh, and we've got two home games in the league back-to-back as well. So it's a good, a good sort of... Also, a big thank you to uh, Dan Clinton for uh, renewing his annual uh, subscription as a Mailman Said member. Out in Thailand. If you become an annual member, you get you save 10%, which is just over a month free. By becoming a Mailman Said member, you get ad-free shows, you get extra shows. There's a couple uh, big shows coming, one on the, uh, the Heck meeting in more detail. Well, the basically what's going on at the club in more detail as well as an off-the-record show as well so uh, please do go to myomensed.com and click on the membership link there for more details and join our merry band right media muppets what's in the trough mr shaw so a couple of weeks ago, and Media Muppets was all about Ollie Watkins scoring his first goal versus Chelsea and then following it up with hat trick versus Brighton. We said at the time that the media for the next week would all be contract dominated, and 
as we mentioned, he duly signed his five-year deal. Getting back into the England squad was a nice bonus, but of course, Mr. Southgate just couldn't say well done or just said, yes, Ollie Watkins is in. He had to come out with another, what are you going to call him, like Southgate-isms now, and he had to come out with this one, recency bias. He said he's hit a bit of scoring form in the last couple of weeks, and you have to be careful with that because you can't go on recency bias for selection. I mean, he's, he's, I think Southgate's losing it. He's, I mean, he started off so well. He's a bit of a hypocrite there, isn't he? Because yes. recency bias has never been uh, in his playbook. No, because out comes the three-headed monster of Harry Maguire, Calvin Phillips and Jordan Henderson because the recency bias, wouldn't, you wouldn't be picking any of them. Well, Phillips hasn't played for about three years, but he still plays for England. Yeah. Maguire has, has forgotten how to play football and he still plays for England. Yeah, and Jordan Henderson's playing in front of 700 people and he still yeah. plays for England. Yeah. But um, to be fair, Ollie Watkins doesn't need the media to fight his battles for him. His assist against Wolves took his goal contributions to 25, which is the most in the Premier League by an English player since Unai Emery took over in November. But there is a caveat to that. Everybody was plastering that everywhere. Harry Kane is in 22, so if he'd have stayed in the Premier League, he would probably still be ahead of him because he's been banging them in from Munich. Goals and assists. This is so. like uh, BC, isn't it? Yeah. Before yeah. Christ and uh, AE. After Emery, yeah, this is how we. This is we only we don't do BE anymore. We don't. It's like you know how the Premier League have taken over football, and it's like Premier League era. You know the top scorer ever. Nobody ever talks about any of the players that played before ninety. You know, like ninety two, ninety three season. So we're going to uh, stick it up the Premier League, and we only deal in stats now. AE after Emery, agreed, agreed, <laughs> carried. And with that said, twenty twenty three form for Aston Villa. This is after 30 games. I mean, we've always had an eye on this. We keep mentioning it. Now everybody's mentioning it. We were second when we were mentioning it before. Now, after 30 games in this calendar year, we are third on 59 points after playing 30 games. Arsenal have jumped, are the team that's jumped ahead of us. I mean, this is what happens when you draw against bloody Wolves, isn't it? They are now on 61 points. Manchester City are the top dogs on 71. So we're actually three points ahead of Liverpool. We're four points ahead of Manchester United. Five points ahead of Brighton. Nine points ahead of Newcastle and Spurs in terms of 2023 form. Take it Chelsea in relegation form. Well, yeah. I mean, of the 17 teams, obviously three got relegated in 2023. They are 15th out of 17. And that's with a recent upturn in it. And shocking. So you've got Forrester better than them. Wolves are better than them. So they're in a real transition. But anyway, enough of them. So in eight games time, we will see what Emery can do over the length of a season. Well, as good as a season over a 38-game stretch. I mean, I'm already starting to look ahead to that Man City game when they come to Villa Park. Don't we play Arsenal and Man City in a week? Yeah. I do believe that's going to be a great week at Villa. That's going to be such a great gauge of where we're at. Yeah, for the second season in a row, we play them both back to back. Yeah, I think we'll need results against Alkmaar to keep us in good spirits. Uh, if we'd been yeah. beat, if you get beat by Alkmaar twice or lose one and draw one, then and you don't beat West Ham, then I think the pitch is a bit different because then you're like, oh shit, now it's Manchester City and Arsenal. But if we beat West Ham, get good positive results against AZ then you're going into those games right you know Manchester City are not unbeatable if Wolves can beat them we can have a go 
I mean, I think we'll have a go at whoever. You know, we saw that in the game yeah. against City last year, again, you know, under Gerrard and, and and the Arsenal home game. Frankly, we should have got a draw into. We'll ta- we'll take it to these teams. So, if you're looking at uh, Villa's progress, I mean, since the last international break, I think apart from Brighton, it has. I mean, there's been a couple of games. I'm talking uh, Zrinski. I'm talking Crystal Palace that have been decided in injury time. It's been a lot of not getting out of second gear, apart from the Brighton game. Now, the good thing about the Brighton game is it showed that we have got gears. Yeah, big time. Has it been because we've got key injuries, so we haven't had that ability to, when we have rotated, we're not rotating full strength into full strength? Because when we're saying rotation, we're not talking about going from down from A to B team necessarily, because we had a, enough players to actually put out two decent teams because you're not talking we're not talking about replacing 11 for 11 here we're, we're more talking about still having a decent team making five or six changes but with Mings, Buendia, Moreno and Ramsey uh, being injured that does uh, does take the gloss off the rest you know the, the say the cup team shall we say for want of a better yep. term and that has compromised us a little bit because really I don't think we should have lost against Warsaw I mean I don't think we deserve to win but if you had a good enough team and if you put out a stronger back four I think you don't uh, fall apart in that game like we did no. even however badly we defended we still should have got a draw really and we, and we probably would have been able to rotate and play a stronger side against Everton yeah and you would have played beaten Zerinsky by at least two goals and then you'd have been top of the group and, and, and you know, you're factoring, obviously, we've lost four big players. You're almost factoring in five by not having Ashley Young as your backup right back, who was a big player in the second half of last season. So you've yeah. actually lost pretty much five heavy hitters out of your starting lineup. So to be where we are in the division, you'd say, is actually, it's a really good start to the season. So in terms of the league, yeah, it's uh, we've got it over the line, even in second gear. You know, we've had yeah. a bit of luck, but, you know, also looks gone against us. Watkins scores last touch of the game against Wolves. You know, there's, there's three points. Similar to the Bailey situation, really, isn't it? Those are, mm-hmm. We could have yeah. beaten Wolves in both of those games. So it's not as if we've been lucky to be where we are by, you know, just playing in second gear. There's been uh, bad luck as well. I think as well as that, it looks like they're playing in second gear because some of the teams they're playing against were really playing for, you know, two banks of four, two banks of five, whatever. They were playing, sitting really deep. Yeah. The low block as well. So, I mean, Palace sat low, which they had every right to after taking the lead. Warsaw defended. Wolves definitely defended as well. So it's Everton did no, in the cup game. Yeah. The only team to really, like you said, Chris, open up was Brighton. Yeah. And they got, and they got fucking hammered. <laughs> but I mean Liverpool uh, is that the only game we haven't scored in yeah yeah, we should have yeah yeah, we missed some big chances at Anfield really so we're in a position where we are creating chances and that you don't have any problems with that if you had any criticism of the team is just it's still uh, defensively it's not as sound as it was perhaps at the back end of last season but yeah you, you get away with that don't you if, you, if you're taking yeah, if you're taking new players are basically learning on the job yep yeah big time and it's quite an intense way to play, and I can imagine Emery's quite demanding, so it, it will take you a little while. And some people will, you know, sink or swim in, in trying to play that way. Someone like a Tielemans at the moment, of course, is, is finding it hard, but you'd, you'd hope he's got the quality, you know, come the end of the season, you'd like to think he might be up to up to where we hope he can be. I think he's finding it hard when he starts, because it's, even as, as 12 minutes or so he got against Wolves, he was pretty good. He was controlled, he was back to what yeah. you, you want him to be. He's, he's someone you bring on the, you know... Well, control the game. Control the game, yeah. I think it's it depends he, who's next to him as well. Yeah, it's when he starts. I think it's I think the, there. the other team sort of see Telemans in the team sheet and fancy their chances. The other team and you know get at them quickly. He he doesn't he doesn't like it. Yeah, so if you were to give the start to the season so far grade, you know, up to A plus, down to uh, F, what would you give it? 
I'll go B minus. Oh, I'd go. I'd probably go like B plus. Yeah, I was going to go B. Maybe. If, yeah, I think we've done very well. In that, if you if it was just league games, you'd you'd, you'd kind of have to go A. But I think because you get knocked out of the cup by Everton in such a kind of flat rubbish fashion and, and you've had the Warsaw defeat and the performance especially in a couple of thumpings as well at St James's and Anfield and you know, they were thumpings you know it, it's, it's by no means been perfect but the fact that we've come back from defeats with a win each time has, has been a real green flag so I think we're in a really good spot but certainly, yeah, certainly the, the cup performances definitely pull your, pull your score down yeah it, I mean I'm going B just because I'm not going higher because of uh those results against Newcastle and Liverpool where those are the two games where you'd be batting above par if you did something there and also it's like a statement to say I mean after those two games people are looking at Villa and go yeah it's just Aston Villa you know that's that's what it is if we'd done something in those two games then it's like oh these guys are serious but also the European situation we should be top of that group already because Warsaw did a number just because they picked us off because we get gifted them goals we took them lightly we, we took the whole event we yep. used two lacks on the day. Exactly, took it lightly. We should have, even if we ground out a win there, and then I mean, I don't Zerent- find, yeah, I don't think many go there and smash them. You don't, you know, you have to be respectful of a team. Is it? It only lost one at home all year. Uh, sorry, yeah. lost one at home all year. It's not an easy place to go, but you go there and you be professional and you. But we you gifted know? them three goals essentially. Yeah, and then you 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 run Zrinsky through. So we should be top of the group, but you know, I still go with my theory of uh, you win the group and then you start resting because you know that if you don't win the group, if you're fannying around and you get, we've got two tough games against Alkmaar and if we don't better them in those two games, then suddenly you are facing the potential of coming second and then you're playing two extra games. So that defeats the whole object of resting players to navigate through. And if you come second, where well, you've got two extra games to... And then what are you going to do? You're going to have to play strong because you're in knockout stages and mm-hmm. uh, you're against yep. a Europa League uh, dropout team that could be good. So I think you get it in the bag. So that's why I'm going I mean, to be... I'm hopeful that not being in... Uh, not being in the League Cup in the build-up to sort of the winter period where a few teams are going to have to play sort of, you know, fourth round, fifth round, etc. At least you get the midweek off in between a few of your Saturday games, so you're not playing Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek, Saturday Yeah, yeah, midweek, but then Sunday, if you've so got to play two, to two games in the Europa League, then you've defeated the, the benefits no, of no, that. No, absolutely. So it's like you've almost got no... What I'm saying is essentially you've kind of got no excuses now to not go that little bit stronger because yeah. these players should be more than capable of playing, especially, for example, you know, the, the Alkmaar one where it's an early kickoff. You're going to, you're going to get there. It's a short flight especially for their move they'll be on a charter plane you play the game you fly home you're probably getting back to body more heath before you would on some midweek premier league games yeah and then you go straight and you've obviously got two home games either side of it then you've got the re- obviously the return leg as well so yep so no excuses no excuses now right quickly before we go it's emery's clipboard touch count we're still going on with the touch count on Emery's clipboard. Who knows, that may change. What is it, 5-2 to uh, Mr. Shaw. Chris is on uh, the march with winning the last two. So, with the Blues playing the Baggies. And Stoke, difficult away game against Leicester. Phil went for 29. Chris went for 38. I think Phil's won this one. Hogan didn't come on until the 81st minute. Oh, no. Ooh. And it's a win rat- for Phil then. Rattled up six touches. Whoa, calm down, Sky. It's not bad for him uh, for that short of time. And Wesley, uh, nowhere to be seen. Fantastic. So <laughs> if anything, we both lost then. 
<laughs> I don't think anyone deserves to win that one. Then we were so, miles off. Six in total. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think no. I can. I can't give it to Phil because he's so far out. I don't think we either of us have ever been that far out. That's ridiculous. Yeah, this wow. is how we expected it to be at the start yeah, of the season. Yeah, this is normal now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the first time it's been normal. To be fair. So, uh, all I can say is, Marvellous Nakamba, how many touches against Spurs in the 1-0 loss? I'm going to go, like, a bit higher, maybe 35. 35 in this decider. Phil Shaw, stop Googling. 39. Phil Shaw's got it. 49. Marvellous all over the shot. 49. Well, Spurs went down to 10 men, so I was thinking he must have done something. Yeah. I mean, 10 out, we'll give you that one. That's not so bad. But, yeah. So, be warned. (laughs) Wesley and Hogan are not regarded anymore. Not that, not that they ever were, really. But what's Rooney got to think about uh, Hogan? That's more to the point. Scott, lad, we got to get you in the game, lad. We got to get you on the ball. You're, you're training with the under twenty ones for henceforth. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a Henry Lansbury with you, Scotty lad. I'll have you, I'll have you cutting more. grass by the end of the season. So, uh, looking ahead to after the international break, probably Rooney's first game in charge. The Blues are away against Middlesbrough and Stoke are at home against Sunderland. I'm going to go 25 combined. Nobody's been brave here. Nobody's. I think I'm being, and I think I'm being really generous there. Well, that's what I'm saying. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for it. Google 12. Even that's generous, I thought. I thought somebody's <laughs> going to go sub 10. So, sorry, what we're saying single here? Thing. I said 25. Right. Well, stay tuned next week to find out how they do as it now gets interesting as both careers start to fade. (laughs) (laughs) So until next week, when the next show drops in the middle of the international break, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.